coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Tuesday to you. So yesterday's events in Nashville leave us all sort of bewildered, slightly gobsmacked about where we as a country go from here because we run to our predictable corners and lob the same thoughts and prayers on one side and we need reform on the other side and nothing gets accomplished. Today, however, there is a lot of saber rattling on the right because, for one, this time it's a Christian school and for another, the gunman, the gunwoman, is allegedly someone who identifies as trans. And suddenly, there's some pearl clutching. I have two clips that I want to share from recent broadcasts of Eric Erickson, who airs locally on uh, News Talk 750 and 95.5 WSB. Uh, here's the first that he shared earlier today on social media. I am not... And do not hear me say that all transgender activists are violent people. What I am saying is that if the shoe was on the other foot, you would hear the media declare the entire movement violent. Um, never can I ever recall a scenario after a mass shooting where the heterosexual movement was called to question. All right, let's let him continue. If it were Christians who had done these things, the media would declare Christianity a national security threat. The alleged shooter is a former student at this Presbyterian school. We don't know that she isn't a Christian. Continuing. If it was Trump supporters, well, you've already seen how they've labeled all Trump supporters in this country. But the protected classes that the media favors always get a pass. When the George Floyd riots burned down buildings, the protesters themselves were given a pass. It was fiery, but mostly peaceful. When the small business activists protested and did not riot, they were vilified by the media. The media constantly takes sides in these things and are even now trying to suggest that perhaps the shooter was actually really the victim. Okay, a lot to unpack there. Do we know who Audrey Hale voted for in the 2016 and or 2020 presidential elections? Who she supported? To my knowledge, that information has not come out yet. It, it, not that it would be relevant who she voted for if she did vote for Trump. Was she at the Capitol on January 6, 2021? Okay, good. Then she doesn't need to be lumped in with MAGA supporters who participated in a violent insurrection attempt. Cool, moving on. About the civil unrest in 2020 after the killing of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd, there were more than 10,000 arrests made across the country that year. As for media suggestions that the alleged killer yesterday is somehow a victim, uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you Google something, you can find it, but... I've yet to see any mainstream conversation about the alleged shooter, Audrey Hale, somehow being a victim. 
Where where is this where is this at, Eric? I mean, literally just googling now. What did I type in? Audrey Hale victim. I, I, and and I can't find anything. I mean, I would literally have to keep scrolling to find something, I guess, because I, I'm not seeing it. I, I am seeing a story that ABC News ran with uh, this afternoon. In fact, uh, not all that long ago, about an hour and a half ago. That points to a friend that said that she contacted local authorities after hearing from Audrey Hale that morning and that nobody even paid attention to the outreach until uh, 3.30 yesterday afternoon, long after, five hours or so after the shooting. Uh, Paige Patton, who um, apparently is a Nashville radio host, uh, told ABC News that she used to play basketball with Hale in eighth grade, and they remained you know, in occasional contact, and that Hale had reached out to uh, Paige Patton to say, this is my last goodbye. I love you. See you again in another life. And so Paige Patton reached back out and said that, you know, uh, Audrey, you've got so much more life to live. And so Audrey responded, I know, but I don't want to live. I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to upset you or get attention. I just need to die. I wanted to tell you first because you are the most beautiful person I've ever seen and known all my life. Patton reached out to her dad and said, she, you know, asked dad, should I do something about this? Should I alert authorities? And dad said, yeah. And so Patton did. And it, that, that went ignored. I, I see nothing sympathetic, however, towards the alleged shooter, Audrey Hale. I don't quite understand where this is coming from, Eric, but I can't help but notice that in this mantra of we're under attack, culture war posturing from the right, Eric went right to that mode, not even 24 hours after this all happened. Take a listen. The answer to the evil is not that there is an opposing countervailing good, although there is the answer to the evil, as I see it, as these people who died see it, as, as the parents of these children see it, is that evil comes from the absence of God. And it is no coincidence we are seeing a rise in this sort of evil as this country has decided it's big enough to move on from God and that we ourselves can be the creator. Okay, but there's also this. White supremacists are behind more than 80% of extremism-related murders just last year, Eric, and white supremacists tend to have a distorted, twisted view of their own Christian faith. Reuters just released this a month ago. Mass shootings in the United States accounted for most extremism-related fatalities last year in the country, with over 80% of those murders committed by white supremacists. Data released by the Anti-Defamation League showed on Thursday. That would be uh, February 20... Well, the, the article came out February 23rd. The advocacy group labeled 25 murders in 2022 as extremist-related, with 18 of those committed in whole or part for ideological motives. Two mass shootings, one in May in Buffalo, New York, we remember, where an avowed white supremacist fatally shot 10 black people, and another in November in Colorado Springs, where in five people were killed in an LGBTQ nightclub accounted for most of the extremist-related murders of 2022, the ADL report showed. Now, Eric wants to make this about Christianity, and 
I'm saying, in general, white supremacists do believe that they are Christian. In the case of the Buffalo shooter, by the way, he left this 180-page racist screed. He pointed to being inspired by the man behind the 2019 massacre at two mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand, which claimed 51 lives. The Christchurch shooter, according to Time Magazine, also left the manifesto entitled, quote, The Great Replacement. Ah, The Great Replacement Theory. Now, uh, we can start talking about Tucker Carlson, too. Anyway, The Great Replacement talked at length about the, quote, Muslim invasion of Europe. So the incident that most inspired the Buffalo shooter, according to Time Magazine, was a man of a European descent murdering Muslims praying in mosques located in a city pointedly named Christchurch. The piece goes on to talk about how in the U.S., This drive to preserve white Christian dominance undergirded the worldview of the Ku Klux Klan when it re-emerged in the early part of the 20th century. We rightly remember the terrorism aimed at black Americans, but the KKK was also explicitly anti-Jewish and anti-Catholic. It existed to protect the dominance of a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant America. I will, by the way, share uh, both pieces I'm talking about. This one in particular from Time was written by Robert P. Jones. Uh, CEO and founder of PRRI, also the author of White Too Long, The Legacy of White Supremacy in American Christianity, which won a 2021 American Book Award. Back to Eric Erickson today, by the way. There is a side angle tie-in here. In Genesis 1, God creates us male and female, and the killer is one who believed that she could make herself male. She decided she could be her own god and moved beyond the God of all creation, and in monstrous evil ways returned to the elementary school of her youth to kill the children there. And see, now I'm confused, because earlier in the clip today, Eric said that he doesn't want people to misconstrue what he's saying to say that, well, obviously, because she's trans, we have to view trans people as violent. I am not, and do not hear me say that all transgender activists are violent people. What I am saying is that if the shoe was on the other foot, you would hear the media declare the entire movement violent. But the opposite of trans is cisgender, and the cisgender movement in and of itself as a, well, there is no movement really, isn't violent either. Eric seems to be trying to compare trans people to white supremacists which would be like comparing a high school lacrosse team to an Olympic swim team. They're not even on the same field or pool or venue. Evil is not the opposite of God. There's no yin and yang here. There's no karma. Evil is the absence of God. You can choose not to believe in God, but then what do you believe in? I see. So Eric is presuming that Audrey Hale, because she was trans and did what she did, never or didn't or hadn't before doing what she did, identified herself as a Christian or any religion at all. We don't know this, but Eric has decided, I'm going to make that leap. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I happen to be an atheist, and it's never crossed my mind to run to a Gander Mountain to buy a couple of AR-15s and a handgun and walk into a school to shoot anybody, or a church either, or a Walmart. 
or a grocery store in a minority neighborhood. White supremacists, however, have done that, Eric. And by the way, when I cited data earlier from 2022, it was actually down from 2021. In 2021, the ADL says there were 33 extremist-related killings documented. And it documented 22 extremist-related killings in 2020. Now, we're going to find out more about Audrey Hale as the hours and days go forward. For example, didn't know this until just a few minutes ago, folks who are close to her family say that she was autistic but highly functioning. Well, we're not going to leap to conclusions about autistic people, though, are we? However, I can't help but think of Adam Lanza, he of the Sandy Hook mass shooting at an elementary school. So let's put a pin in that. We'll come back and talk about autism, mental health, red flag laws, who's for them and who's against them. After the break. More Ron Show on America One Radio next. Welcome back to the Ron Show for Tuesday, March 28th. So when we uh, left the discussion for a quick little break, pointed out the fact that we're just now kind of learning that the alleged shooter in the Nashville Presbyterian School shooting was, uh, according to sources near the family anyway, a a high-functioning autistic. She relatively recently announced, according to the Daily Beast, that she was transgender, identifying as he, him. Now, I can tell you having interacted with folks who are transgender and having interacted with folks who are high-functioning autistic, that I don't necessarily believe that either should preclude someone from owning a firearm. In particular, the transgender. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to give some favoritism here. If, if you are strictly transgender, which, by the way, all medical science has evolved in recent decades to say, Transgenderism is not a mental illness. But tell me that somebody is transgender and autistic? Or just tell me that someone is autistic and wants to purchase a firearm, and I have questions. I don't have an answer. I don't have an immediate no. That shouldn't be. But I do have questions. And I think that's where we're missing some sort of regulatory measure to ensure that the person possessing a firearm and able to walk into a, again, a Gander Mountain, I hate to keep picking at them, or maybe they like the publicity, I don't know, um, and purchasing an assault rifle or two and the ammunition that goes with it has been vetted and is deemed to be mentally competent to make such a purchase or possess such a weapon. And by the way, there's all this noise coming from uh, the extreme right, the MAGA right, the Marjorie Taylor Greens. In fact, Marjorie Taylor Greene herself, over the fact that uh, ATF agents went to inspect a gun retailer in Smyrna earlier this week, because if I'm not mistaken, Ron DeSantis is going to be there making an appearance in a couple of days, like a book signing. At a at a gun a book signing at a gun store, okay. <laughs> She's upset that the ATF made this timely visit. Well, I'm sorry, 
Uh, Ron DeSantis is a potential presidential candidate, and there are a ton of guns there. Uh, why would we not want a federal agency to go in and ensure this place is secure beforehand? I mean, at some point in time, if he decides to run for president, he may wind up with Secret Service detail. Secret Service detail is going to go to that gun store a few days beforehand and do exactly what the ATF is doing. So, Marge, shut up. Also, ask that gun retailer when the last time the ATF had been there. See, there's a problem in and of itself. The ATF is so understaffed and so underfunded that the routine visit isn't all that routine. In fact, it becomes newsworthy when it happens at all. Hence, Marjorie's freaking out. The mass shooting in Colorado last year, by the way, there were red flag laws passed by the state that local sheriff's department officials, I believe the local county sheriff, opted not to take part in that could have prevented that mass shooting from happening. Yesterday's mass shooting happened in Tennessee, and well, there are no red flag laws in Tennessee. In fact, there's not a whole lot of Gun laws, period. Very little regulatory oversight into who purchases or possesses a gun in the state of Tennessee because Tennessee, it's a Southern Republican-run, dominated state. Again, I'm not saying that folks with any degree of autism should or shouldn't possess a gun. I am saying, however, there should be some sort of metric in place, some sort of uh, mechanism, some sort of filtration that anyone who is diagnosed with some form of autism need to provide some additional criteria or meet some additional criteria in order to possess a firearm. I'm saying that. I am saying that. I'm not saying that Audrey Hale, well, I mean, obviously, obviously she wasn't mentally stable enough, and we don't know that that's tied to autism. But let's review what we were learning about Adam Lanza after the fact. Diagnosed as a child with a sensory disorder and delays in speech, he would exhibit a quick mind for science, computers, math, and language. The few acquaintances he had as a teenager came from video game arcades and online gaming chat rooms. Newly released writings express a wide range of emotions and rigid doctrine from a crippling aversion to the dropped towel, food mixing on his plate, and the feel of a metal door handle to a deep disdain for relationships, an intolerance of his peers, a chilling contempt for anyone carrying a few extra pounds, and a conviction that certain aspects of living are worse than death. Again, I'm not saying that all folks on the autism spectrum are Adam Lanza or Audrey Hale. I am saying that perhaps we should look at making sure that anyone who is diagnosed to be on the spectrum has to meet an extra set of criteria. Is that fair? Is that constitutional? I think there's a valid argument for the constitutionality. But, but here's, here's where we are. We're, 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 we're at such a point where one portion of our political discourse wants to take the Second Amendment so literally, except for the part about the well-regulated militia anyway, that they don't even want to ban gun possession or gun ownership to folks who can't see Stevie Wonder can buy a gun, according to the NRA, according to the gun fetishist right. Stevie Wonder should be allowed to carry a gun. And and I'm not making fun of the blind. As I get older, the, the closer I get to it. I am just pointing out 
the insanity with which the gun lobby, the pro-gun movement rests in. That's insanity. And because the GOP is so afraid of backlash from the gun fetishist portion of their base, they refuse to do nearly anything that is common sense. In my mind, it's common sense that somebody diagnosed on the autism spectrum should have to meet another set of criteria before they are allowed to own or purchase a gun. And of course, that criteria not being met should land them on a database that should be routinely updated by the ATF that should be better funded and better staffed. And no, blind people shouldn't be allowed to own a gun. Sorry. Life is already unfair to that individual. I apologize. That's just how it goes, buddy. Back after this. Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at Ron Show ATL. The Ron Show on America One Radio. So I want to get back to Eric Erickson bemoaning the attack of Christianity. I'm sorry, the attack on Christianity by, I don't know, leftism, uh, transgenderism, wokeness. Is that right? Um, I'm trying to recall if we'll ever see a politician on the left, an activist on the left, someone from the LGBTQ plus ever do what Marjorie Taylor Greene did to the survivor of a mass school shooting. David, why are you supporting the red flag laws? If there had been, if Scott Peterson, the resource officer at Parkland had done his job, then Nicholas Cruz wouldn't have killed anybody in your high school or at least protected them. Why are you supporting red flag gun laws that attack our Second Amendment rights? And why are you using kids to get to, as a barrier? Do you not know how to defend your stance? So I'm walking. He's got nothing to say. Sad. He has nothing to say because there really isn't anything to say, you guys. He has nothing to say because he's paid to do this. Guess what? I'm a gun owner. I'm an American citizen. And I have nothing but this guy with his George Soros funding and his major liberal funding has got everything. I want you to think about that. That's where we are. And he's a coward. He can't say one word because he can't defend his stance. Could you imagine a left-wing activist, an atheist left-wing activist, trolling a school shooting survivor from yesterday's shooting, asking questions like, where's your God? Why didn't your God save you? I thought thoughts and prayers were going to work. Do you see what I'm saying? But Eric Erickson wants you to believe that there's this culture war and that Christians are the victim. It's that sort of rhetoric, not just from Erickson, but from Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm sure Tucker Carlson will be all about it. Probably was last night. I did not watch. Just wanted to stomach that hour to watch that guy. The more we learn about Audrey Hill, I mean, uh, aside from her being on the spectrum because, well, that's a slippery slope. You know, you start limiting folks uh, having the right to purchase guns based on, uh, you know, mental wellness. And you're going to find that there's a lot of unstable people on the right. And well, we, we were, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. I understand now why the right doesn't want to go down that quote, slippery slope. But what concerns me now is what sort of rhetoric are we going to endure over the coming days 
because now it's not just a school shooting. It's a Christian school shooting. And now the narrative is, oh my God, it's a trans person that did it. The thing that always sort of agitates me is when you hear this talk of culture war or you hear uh, class warfare, remember that that's been that's been the big one since uh, since the ascendancy of progressivism and Bernie Sanders. Oh, now we're fighting class warfare. We're attacking the wealthy. Well, the class war has been going on for quite a while. The only problem is all the firing, all the bombardment has been coming from the top. Same with the culture war. And I'm not giving a pass to Audrey Hale for doing what she did. I'm not saying she had any right to do so. I'm not saying there's any justification for doing so. I am, however, going to point to a lot of vitriol here in the last couple years when it comes to this theory of a culture war. (laughs) Oh, that war's been going on a long time, friends. You're talking to a 49-year-old gay man who has lived in the South his entire life, a lot of it in the shadows, a lot of it on the low, a lot of it in the closet. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's difficult for trans folks to avoid suicidal tendencies, for the LGBTQ plus period to avoid suicidal tendencies? No, I'm not going to give Audrey Hale any sort of sympathy. Well, she grew up probably trans and in the closet and then went to a Christian school unbeknownst to her parents and that caused undue... Perhaps there's just no justification for killing innocent children, uh, two teachers and a custodian. The poor guy was a freaking elementary school custodian. I mean, he bless his heart, was working his ass off, I'm sure, for just barely getting by, if that wages, as it were. And likely either an innocent bystander or perhaps probably even shielding other children from dying and lost his life in the process. I'm never going to justify the alleged shooter for doing what she, or she identifies as he now, what they did. Never going to do that. I just want it to be noted that before we start seeing or hearing saber rattling from the right about this culture war, that the culture war has been going on for quite a while. There's no justification for what Audrey did. It's potentially you could conceive of an extreme overreaction to a lot of the vitriol that in her lifetime, and she's 28, I mean, that only takes us back to 1995. A lot of the vitriol in our current political discourse, not just current, but in the last few years, we had to fight bathroom bills because people who identified as a gender other than their birth certificate would would tell you wanted to use the bathroom that they preferred, that they identified with. I mean, that was a hot button for a long time, right? It was crazy talk. Just absolute insanity. I mean, how many times have you and I gone to a a business or a restaurant where they only have the one restroom? Well, which one are you going to go to? 
Oh yeah, the one. The same one. It happens. And now we have, over the last few years, uh, an aversion for inclusivity in sports. And now an aversion to gender-affirming care. Again, not going to justify what Aubrey, what, what, what Audrey did if she is, in fact, uh, you know, a transgender person. Not going to justify it. It's, it's disgusting. What she did is pure evil and clearly displays some mental instability, mentally unwell. Were there warning signs? According to a lot of her friends and family, no, not really. They're quite shocked, actually except for the one person that she reached out to who tried to warn authorities earlier yesterday and couldn't, couldn't get anybody on the phone, couldn't get anybody on the line. Quick break back after this. Oh, hey, you're still here. Hey, that's cool. Thanks for sticking around. Not only am I host of The Ron Show, I'm also Ron Roberts, real estate agent slash realtor with EXP Realty. That's right. I help folks buy and sell residential real estate in and around Metro Atlanta. And we've been through a crazy couple of years, have we not? Between COVID, the post-COVID market, the craziness. You could throw an open house on a souped-up tool shed and you would have cars lined around the block to come in and see it and throw an offer well over asking price. Well, those days are no longer a part of us and interest rates are a little higher than they were before. But I must say, it's still a great time to either buy or sell or both real estate, residential real estate in Metro Atlanta. Why buy? I tell tenuous buyers all the time, if you are renting right now, you are paying someone else's retirement accounts your money, and it might as well go to you. The cost of housing in Atlanta is not going to get cheaper. The population is going to continue to grow well into the 2040s, with nearly a million and a half new residents expected to come here. So you better get a house sooner rather than later. And if you can afford to buy an investment property, now if you already own your home, why not buy one nearby you as well and create some additional income that could be your retirement savings and you get to choose one of your new neighbors. Now, if you're thinking about selling, but you're thinking, oh man, I really missed out on that huge market in the past summer or two. Okay, yeah, sure. But the values aren't dropping. So you still got plenty you've earned just by owning what you're in and need to sell soon. Got questions? Feel free to hit me up. 843-283-0078 or email me ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720. Website rononthereal.com. That's me, Ron Roberts with eXp Realty. Hey, don't just listen to The Ron Show. Support The Ron Show. If you and your business would like to have your advertising done on this show, you know, it's pretty easy. You can drop me an email, ron at ronshowatl.com. You can also call me anytime you like, 404-919-2725. You can also just be a listener if you don't have a business. I mean, that would be most of you, right? Follow us on your preferred podcast platform by following any of the links we've got provided for you there on the podcast tab at ronshowatl.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, links there for you as well. Welcome back to The Ron Show. Final segment. So uh, every day in the month of March, we've been focusing on some important women of that date because it is Women's History Month, after all, and 
better time than to learn about some important women on the dates that we are on the air. <clears throat> For example, it was on today's date that uh, Clara Lemlich, a Jewish immigrant from the Ukraine, labor activist, suffragist, consumer advocate, born on this day in 1886. She was a leader of the uprising of 20,000, a labor strike of shirtwaist workers in New York's garment industry in 1909. How about while we're bragging on women, let's brag about our friend, friend of the show, Dr. Michelle Au, who made Emily's lists list of rising stars. Uh, they wrote on uh, Twitter today that uh, Dr. Au is the first Asian-American woman elected to the Georgia Senate. She now represents the 50th State House District as the only Democratic doctor in the state legislature. She is fighting for Georgia's fighting Georgia's six-week abortion ban and harmful legislation banning uh, medication abortion. Congrats to uh, Dr. Al for being recognized by the very powerful, very influential folks at Emily's List. I want to get back to uh, yesterday's shooting and talk a little bit about the fact that this is going to be on the right, uh, a narrative to now uh, portray the trans community in some sort of sinister fashion. But I want to go back to a conversation I had with a good friend of mine who is a, a female to male. He is a male. He's a man. He's a man. His name is Brock. Anyway, Brock is trans, and Brock went through a lot growing up. And one particular part of the conversation really stood out to me, and it's the way the conversation wrapped. I want you to listen to it. Do you even it. feel like you're in a position where you can advocate for yourself without without fear of reprisal or people going, wait, you are, you know what I mean? Right. You know, no. I mean, oh. it's it's just not something that it, it carries uh, too great a risk at this stage. Just terrible. I mean, that, yeah, that's oppressive. I can't. Uh, man, oh, man, oh, man. And, you know, we were talking uh, yesterday a little bit about this, and I don't want to spill too much of your tea, but, like, you're always having to come out. Like, for me, it's like people who know me or get to know me by now, it's like they know I'm gay. Um, yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, it has to be because you're constantly coming out to people, right? Yeah, and when I'm, when I'm required to, when I'm pressed into a corner, a corner, you know, I've actually been cornered by coworkers uh, and management about where I use the restroom. And thankfully this is not in my current job, but, uh, at a prior job where I was, I guess, sort of, uh, sort of out, so to speak mm -hmm. early in my transition. Okay. Um, several coworkers, uh, were sort of chatting about, you know, my, my status or whether I was trans or not. This is not something that I discuss, uh, at work. For obvious reasons, right? Because it's totally not work related. But um, uh, this this guy was, you know, saying, "Oh, I've never seen him use a urinal." <laughs> you know, he he's always going in a stall. And I mean, it was just unbelievable that adults were sort of clocking where I where I go to the bathroom, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just in disbelief, and that was until management sort of corners me and calls me in the office and asks, Hey, have you been going to the men's restroom? And I say, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they say, uh, well, uh, uh, you can't do that. And I just, excuse me. And, you know, they say, well, uh, have you had, and then they begin to, you know, sort of stumble through medical and legal terms that they really don't know about <laughs> and, you know, want me to defend my gender. And I just finally told them, look, you know, I don't know what you want me to do, pull my pants down or I don't know why we're talking about what I have going on, you know, downstairs. But 
I'm just going to continue to go to the bathroom like I've been doing. And if there's anybody that's distracted by that, maybe they shouldn't use a public restroom. Right? <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. I can't believe. I mean, you know, I used to get gobsmacked when somebody asked me, hey, didn't you wear those jeans yesterday? Well, wait, why are you paying attention to what I'm wearing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I also do laundry, so it is possible. But I can't imagine that they pay attention to my bathroom etiquette. That's insane. It's extremely insane. So I'm going to ask you another personal question, then I'm going to let you go. Uh, because uh, we talk about coming out. Like, there was a scenario in your life where, again, you're, you're now divorced. You were married. And yet, if I remember correctly, your in-laws did not know that you were trans, right? Yeah, yeah. That was not something that we felt safe uh, disclosing to them. Um, leading into the relationship mm -hmm. progressing. And then once it had progressed, it was certainly out of the question. And um, something surfaced uh, for some reason at some point after the relationship deteriorated. Uh, we've been separated now for, uh, well, pushing, pushing towards a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently something that I had written that sort of uh, acknowledged that I was trans while I was in college, um, surfaced to someone and some unnamed someone, uh, discussed that with my in-laws. And, uh, apparently she has been, um, totally banned from coming to her parents' home. And, and she's got a kid as well. Wait, your ex-wife? Yeah. Has been told is... she's not, not welcome in her, her parents' home. Despite the fact that you two aren't even together anymore. <laughs> Correct. Wow, that's insane. That's insane. Yeah, Man. it's deep for these people, but which only goes to show why would we have told them? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, your instincts were right. And I'm sure these folks attend church frequently or, you know, espouse themselves to be Christian. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Mm. All right. Brock, Good I appreciate you. People. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me the time to uh, to talk about this. I wanted to get your perspective, your point of view. Uh this has been something that's come up a few times on the show and you always come to mind and I'm always, you know, you know, getting spitting angry when when I'll see somebody on social media some right winger, you know, saying something completely idiotic or anti-trans and it's like you have no idea. You have no idea. Yeah, we we, we just want to use the bathroom in peace. Just please don't come. <laughs> well, you please want, don't come in the stall with right. us. I mean, you want more than that, but I get it. <laughs> Let's start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I got you. <laughs> All right, Brock. Thanks for the time, man. I appreciate the conversation. Okay, thanks. Make no mistake. I'm not excusing what the alleged Nashville shooter did. I'm not, however, going to sit here and pretend that this culture war hasn't long been going on and that someone or a subset of people who are perpetually bullied aren't eventually going to have those within their ranks who snap. It's this environment of permissiveness when it comes to bullying, this enabling of bullying, even codified bullying as we've seen in recent legislative action here in Georgia, in Tennessee, throughout the South. I'm reminded of that horror movie. Well, sort of a horror movie, at least at the end anyways. Carrie. Carrie got bullied a lot. Most of the movie, Carrie got bullied. Carrie had had enough. Again, I am not justifying 
the actions of Audrey Hale in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I am, however, saying that we are fostering in this hyper-partisan era an environment that allows for systemic, often codified bullying, meanness, written into law, and it doesn't shield us from events like yesterday. We may learn, as more of Audrey's manifesto gets released, that it's actually that sort of systemic, often codified meanness that has been embraced by the right that wrought the sort of mad as hell, not going to take it anymore, extremism. When will we dial down the rhetoric? When will we stop allowing for any subset of our population to be marginalized unfairly, to be picked on, to be ostracized, to be denied fair treatment, equal treatment, to be denied their right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, so long as no one else's life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness is infringed upon. You can't even be an ally of the trans community without being labeled a radical, a groomer even. Sorry, but that crap has to stop. It doesn't, it doesn't make us safer. It doesn't make this a more united United States. But oddly enough, all we ever get from the right after a mass shooting is, well, it's too soon to talk about gun laws. But it's not too soon to talk about the fact that Audrey Hale identified as trans? I'm sorry, please correlate for me, because I don't get it. I absolutely don't get what the reasoning is. If, as I mentioned in the first segment today, it's Eric Erickson's premise that we are heavily involved in a culture war, then I have to ask again, when did this war begin? And who fired the first shot? First shots. First years of shots. Decades of shots. I don't think Eric Erickson would like a full accounting of history on that. But then again... As we've noticed with the fight against critical race theory, the right doesn't like a full accounting of history, period. Because, this is just my theory, they know it looks bad for conservatism on the whole. But then again, that comes from, I believe, a foundation in white supremacy. There I said it. I did. And it's hard to not notice that the vast majority of the conservative movement, the Republican Party, is white. They can give you their occasional Tim Scott, their occasional Dinesh D'Souza, their occasional... Who was the crazy gay guy? What was his name? Forgot him. But at the end of the day, their movement is a lot about denying a long history of racism sexism, classism, homophobia, xenophobia, or that it has any lasting impacts that continue to plague us today, educationally, fiscally, on healthcare, or any other matter. Nope. 
The problem is woke culture instead. <laughs> Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com. Podcast links at ronshowetl.com.